0: I'm um, sorry for the hold-up, folks. There seems to be a slow-moving train up ahead.
1: Yes, who? <laughs> yep. Just called to tell you I still don't know why I called. But I'm thinking about it. Fish are friends. Fish are friends. Fish are friends. Not food. W Radio, your
0: information
1: station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 593 here once again, not only to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience when you go to the parks, but I also want to bring you some of that Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, live video broadcast and chats every Wednesday night on Facebook, blog, books, audio tours, and more, whether it's your first time visiting or you've been to the parks hundreds of times, if you're planning your next Disney vacation or just love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there's something in the show for you because each week I'm going to take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between. And if you're a new listener, welcome, thank you. Please go back and check out some of the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player and find everything else at www.radio.com and of course, be part of the community and conversation by going to www.radio.com community. Part of what makes the hero's journey in storytelling so memorable are the characters that sometimes help make them heroic. And in many cases, for every great hero, there's an equally evil villain. So this week... We're going to look at our top 10 Disney villains, including those from the Marvel and Star Wars universes. We'll explore in depth what makes a good or bad villain, their story arc, motivation, sympathies, relationships, and what else makes up and drives their character. We'll also discuss Walt Disney, the evolution of the Disney villain, some non traditional villains, who is on our lists and why, and of course, I want to hear from you and your best or worst Disney villain as well. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information, updates, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. On show 582, we looked at our top 10 Disney heroines and some of the many important women in Disney history who weren't just groundbreaking female leads, but I think really rose to the level of global cultural icons and inspiring role models and true heroines. And we talked about some of the qualities and characteristics that each of them possessed that I think really made them so important and so influential as well. And I think for, obviously, for every protagonist, there is an antagonist, good guy, bad guy, character or characters whose stories are bound together, usually until the very end. And so if we're going to look at some of the heroes, we also need to look at their counterparts. And this week, we're going to explore our top 10, insert ominous music here, Disney Villains. And like one of the villains that may or may not be on the list, I've got friends on the other side, and so I want to welcome back to the show, little Timmy Foster from Celebrations Magazine, and Guide to the Magic, back to the show.
2: Thanks, I was I was a little worried about the introduction and how it would go <laughs> on this show. My favorite bad guy, my favorite villain, he puts the evil in villains. But she didn't,
1: and I... <laughs> I. You know, I thought long and hard about we it. Thought but about it. I'm going to save some of those for later. But I'm sure, Tim. You know, yeah. from every good story, from every good Disney movie, many villains are not defeated alone. It no, t- they're not. It took a team of Avengers to beat Thanos, we need and some I'm help. not so sure, Tim, that you and I are qualified to tackle these baddies on our own. Not even close. So I'm bringing in the big guns. Yes. A man who liked Zangief from the video game series Street Fighters. And I say, Zangief, you are a bad guy. But this does not mean you're a bad guy. He's a bad guy, but it doesn't mean he's a bad guy. He's actually my favorite hero with a little bit of villain that comes out every so often as he is in his teenage years. My son, my man, Nicholas Peter Mangello.
3: He brought Marion on for the heroes, and then he brought the most evil one on for the villains.
1: (laughs) Now, look, I thought this would be fun uh, getting together. I think it's only fair for her to come on and talk about the heroines and you to come on to talk about the villains. Um, And, you know, when we talk, just like when we did the heroines, when I say Disney villains, I'm really talking about all those characters that sort of now fall under the the Disney umbrella. And before we get into our list, guys, I, I want to sort of, I think we need to discuss what we are really discussing. And what does it mean? Oh, wait, here come the rules that I no, wasn't no, no. told I, about. It, it's a question right. for you, right? Because right. what does it mean to be a top or a best Disney villain? Is it the best villain? Is it the worst villain? Like, what are some of the things that you thought of that helped you prepare your list because again we don't talk i just sort of throw out the topic we don't talk about it ahead of time so tim then nicholas what for you like what did you take into account when you were thinking about your top disney marvel star wars villain
3: to be a good villain they need to be relatable extremely evil and fun to watch in my opinion,
1: so Tim Foster's number one on your list because he's no, you of, Thank are. You. <laughs> so, it I think that's interesting because I think you use <laughs> words there, they're going to come up definitely more than once. Tim, what about you?
2: Well, honestly, I, my, I uh, as usual, made my list with the intention of trying to pick ones you weren't going to pick. Hmm. So, there's that. No, but I did go through because I was thinking of that. And am I going for the baddest of the bad or the most in-depth character or the character maybe that gets redeemed? I I realized there there was a lot of different takes on all these villains. So I actually tried to spread it around a little bit, maybe have some conversation about the more mm-hmm. ambiguous definitions of a villain or how they played out in the end and
1: that sort of thing. So, right. Are you spreading the fun? love or are you spreading the hate? Right. Because for me... I I did not base my list on their quote-unquote powers per se. I took a lot of different factors into account. Their story arc, their motivation, are they sympathetic, right? Or or even the portrayal and performance, especially for some of the live action, the, the um, uh, the live characters that are portrayed. And I think, you know, we have to sort of think, you know, what is a villain? Sort of what defines... A villain and i and i know a lot of ones that i think we'll probably talk about in in the, the disney marvel star wars context a lot of these villains are are doing things because they believe you know they believe what they're doing is the quote-unquote right thing right so that's what i mean like what are you know what are the things that help make them good villains like for me i think you know, was there is there a level of of unpredictability in there? Is there nobility in the cause, but evil in the execution? Right? What's their backstory? What's their their motive like? And some of the balance that I think some of these characters maybe should or should not have. Right? How do they they balance some of the evil qualities of you know anger and jealousy and pride and, and greed with a potential. Moral compass, which some may or may not have, and what's what's the relationship like too? Because I think for every good villain, you need to have a a good hero counterpart. Exactly. Did you take all those factors in consideration? One (laughs)
3: hundred percent.
1: You know, and and I and I thought too, you know, because we were talking about Disney sort of as a whole. You know, we hear the question all the time. Well, what would Walt think? What would Walt do? And i and I really tried to figure out and answer the unanswerable question, a one that certainly we can't, you know, figure out. But I did find uh, a quote from Andreas Deja, who's obviously a, a renowned Disney animator. If you watch the special edition Blu-ray of Sleeping Beauty, he actually talks about what Walt wanted, at least at the time in terms of villains and animated films. And he said, and I'm quoting, Walt wanted to have the villains in the animated films be interesting. There had to be something about them that you recognize as a human quality. That's something that is beyond just bad. And I think that's, that's really interesting as we sort of apply that to um, some of the villains that are going to be on our lists. And, and, I have a, a a take that I think is interesting that we'll talk about as we start to go through because I think, to answer my own question, the definition of a villain or what a good villain is in some of those villains' journey, much like the hero's journey, has changed drastically over the years from Walt's time to today, and I will try and back that up with some evidence, but I want to get right into your list. and And Tim, because I have a feeling that you are furiously scribbling it in crayon on a post-it note right now. I want to know from you first and then you Nicholas, what is the first villain on your list? Is it the baddest of the bad? Is it the least bad of the bad? Is the best of the worst. Like who is the villain and why is he on this part of your list? Well, as usual, that answer changed in the last
2: several minutes as you were talking, (laughs) as I kept reevaluating my list. Um, you know what? I thought since since you did qualify that all of Disney dumb counts in this Star Wars Marvel. Maybe we'll start in the Marvel world before we dive into Disney dumb here. Um, and I don't know if you guys have Marvel on your lists.
1: Have we? have I you? Do. Have you met us before? Hmm.
2: Well, because there's so many I could talk about. I think this would be a good roundtable one. And I did watch Infinity War last night no uh, coincidentally so um man but who do we start with well why don't we start with the biggest one of all and that's that purple guy thanos. grimace and mcgrimace from mcdonald's grimace from mcdonald's Gr- grimace, from McDonald- <laughs> grimace yeah take that grimace and thanos actually is well he's a bad guy obviously he's a bad guy but some of the things you talked about Do strike a chord with me with Thanos, because as far as a moral compass goes, when you talked about that, he's one of those characters. And I was thinking about this as I categorize the villains. And there's some that are just bad, which we'll get to. They're just bad through and through. And that's all they want to be bad. And then there are some that are misguided. And, of course, there are some that redeem themselves, which I have a couple of those, too. But Thanos is one whose moral compass was interesting because i i know in the end i'm not a a big comic book person unlike you lou i can see all the comic books behind you on your wall but um so i know that if i'm not mistaken his original motivation i think even back to the first avengers film was that he wanted to impress death the the goddess of death or whoever that was
3: in the um, original but, Infinity Gauntlet comics, his original motive was to eliminate half the universe to impress Mistress Death.
2: There you go. But by the time of Infinity War and it grew on, it, th- that at least in the universe of the movie, shifted a bit to he just wanted to eradicate half of all life in the universe. But he had a reason. And to him, in his twisted logic, his reason was a good one. And it was uh meant to be good in his mind because he wanted to improve everybody's life by, you know matching up the limited resources with the uh, proper population of the universe. so everybody wasn't starving, hungry, impoverished, and all that kind of stuff. Twisted, absolutely misguided for sure, but it's it's interesting because in his mind, he was doing good. Which you talked about, so again, doesn't doesn't excuse it. And I've heard many people ask the question: Well, instead of eradicating half the universe, why didn't you just, you know, double the resources? Huh? It's a good question. But, the movie um, would have
1: been far less interesting.
2: <laughs> it would have it would have been far less interesting. But again, as I was as I was watching Infinity War again last night, I did sort of have this in mind, and you hear him continue to talk about his plan and his belief that it's a it's for the good of everybody in the universe clearly it's twisted and messed up and all that and and he he is kind of a mean guy but uh it's an interesting take on the villain because he's 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 evil through and through but in his mind he has a good motive whereas it's not just i just want to be in charge of everything, and it's mine, 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 mine. He actually had to do the work, make everybody grateful, happy, and retire and live in the rejoice of a of a uh, what did he say? Of not a
1: forgiving universe, of a, of a of a grateful
2: universe, grateful universe, of a grateful universe. Right, in his yeah. mind,
1: the universe was going to thank him for what he did. Right, so he didn't
3: think that people would like miss all the people who died. They were just thought, oh. Everybody's gone. We have more resources. Thank you. Now, lest Lest we we forget,
2: when he realized that, okay, plan A isn't going to work because you all remember (laughs) too much. So I'm just going to take it all down. So that was a little evil, but uh, thankfully by then. One thing I noticed (laughs) is that time travel worked to our benefit.
3: When his motives started to turn more evil, he failed. Like when he was trying to help the universe he succeeded and then when he was like oh yeah i just want to kill the universe and make a new one he lost
2: yeah and i wanted and there's so many we might talk about more but i won't go through them but i was thinking about in in marvel at least and probably across the board when you talk about disney and star wars there's so many that the villains in the marvel universe a lot of them did have a in their mind a moral compass that made everything right um Uh, Age of uh, Ultron. Mm -hmm. No, Civil War. I mean, Uh, Zemo. I keep forgetting his name. The most convoluted bad guy plot of all, where he (laughs) tried to get everybody back up into uh, Siberia. And Zemo, I'm saying his name right, Zemo? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, But again, in his mind, he had a perfectly valid reason for what he was doing and in the end was sort of sympathetic. Not really, but sort of. Um. And I wanted to talk about Loki, but I'll save that because he, he's just so awesome anyway. Yeah, I have a feeling but we're I, was, gonna, I, was,
1: I have a feeling we're going to get to him specifically. Uh, yeah,
2: so I'll save that. I was just uh, thinking, too, as far as redemptive arcs. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm taking part. See, I'm cheating. This is what we do on the show. <laughs> um, we, I think we talked about the Scarlet Witch in the heroine mm-hmm. show, but she's a classic example we don't remember. She was a bad guy. She was a villain slash briefly when we first saw her and then had a quick redemptive arc. And now she's the most awesome Avenger of all. But the, you know, but it's interesting how, at least in Marvel, for the most part, the villains do have a lot of depth and moral uh, turmoil going on within. They're not just, I'm out to rule the world. And that's the end of it. And that's, that's interesting. And that's probably to Nicholas's point that makes them, that much more interesting because they're more. I don't want to say relatable, I guess, maybe, but uh, but you can see where they're coming from, and there's there's a conflict, and there's more to it than
3: you know, just power grab. So. I want to move on to another. Wait, moment. wait, wait.
1: Oh no! Do you have any other thoughts on Thanos? Because I, I want to tell you, Thanos was not on my list. So Thanos was not. So what? And I'm going to tell you why, right? Because for me, he almost he does this. I'm wrong. This no, 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 is no. no. And I'm going to tell I'm you wrong. why. Because I, I and I yeah. think he, he's obviously one of the most evil villains because he he murdered trillions, right? And it's interesting because sometimes, and, and Nick, you know this is Marvel fans, will hear, especially from critics, sometimes there's complaints about some of the villains. In the MCU, right? In terms of some of the flaws that maybe these these villains have. Look, there is a level of sympathy for Thanos because at his core, he is initially well-intentioned. I think, and this is where one of those those times that I think the actor portrays... I think Josh Brolin, behind the the makeup and the CGI, I think Josh Brolin's performance brings a wonderful humanity to a character that at his core is actually in what he's doing incredibly evil but there is this dichotomy to him too because he has a very emotional side to him when he when it comes to Gamora, right? So it's, it is really almost black and white however he's incredibly heartless when it comes to his other daughter I mean he literally pulls apart and rips apart his other daughter while trying to do everything he can to coddle and save Gamora but I think again we go back to the levels of intentions and i think we're going to talk about intent a lot for a lot of these characters to use another mcu very bad villain like killmonger right killmonger from black panther very well intentioned very well meaning but his execution is incredibly flawed and i think that's that's you know the crux of thanos and it's funny, man, because I had a I, I had this flip flop between do I put him number one on the list or do I leave him off the list entirely, and I left him off because wow. I knew that one of you would mention him and I'd still get to talk about him. So cop <laughs> out. So Nicholas, who who is first or last on your list, and, and why are you putting him here, and, and give us your explanation. So
3: of next is another MCU villain, the Vulture.
1: By the way, this is why he's my son. I love that one.
3: I love the vultures so much because just like Thanos, you understand why he's doing it. Like the first scene of the movie shows him losing his job because of Tony Stark. So he was like, all right, let's make weapons out of this alien stuff we found. And he's all doing it just to support his family. Like he's doing it from a good place, just for a really bad reason.
1: So I, I have to jump in because if you know me, if you've ever seen a live show, my audience, I am surrounded by Spider-Mans, by Spider-Men. I couldn't tell. <laughs> you no. like
2: Spider-Man? A little bit. I wow. you a DC guy. I, did, I had no idea. Wow. <laughs> I'm
1: yeah. literally sitting in a Spider-Man chair wearing my Spider-Man underoos, but that's too much information. Adrian Toomes. <laughs> Adrian Toomes is... I think, one of the best overall villains in the MCU, period. No qualifier. Because, again, if you look at some of the villains, again, sometimes there there have been complaints, not from me, but from others, that sometimes the talent that they bring in for the performances of the villains is sometimes too short, sometimes even wasted. And that is not true. Michael Keaton brings... Something to Adrian Toomes, which I think is absolutely remarkable. And, you know, on its face, when you first meet him, it's almost this, you know, basic sort of trope, you know, the blue-collar guy that's that's spurned by the, the, the super-rich guy, and he's going out to sort of steal, you know, beg, borrow, and steal to make money by shady means. And that would have been okay, but I think what makes tombs one of the best villains are the twists look i'm telling you and if you haven't seen spider-man homecoming major spoiler alert that scene when
3: peter parker when the door opens when
1: that door opens nobody i don't care who you are nobody saw that coming and when you see that tombs is liz's father it dramatically shifts the entire tone of the movie the stakes are automatically incredibly raised at that moment and now all of a sudden the problems of this high school kid are exponentially greater right and there's a there's a level of terror in there that's that's palpable right and that scene when they're talking in the kitchen, and, and then, look, I think even the scene in the car on the way to the dance, and kudos to the, the director, The lighting team. The lighting, how when when you see that shift and that awakening happening for Tombs, and the light on his face from the streetlight goes from red to green, like, I remember hitting Nicholas in the theater, but... <laughs> And 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 again, all credit goes to Feige and the Marvel team for casting the perfect actor because the way he emotes in his face is remarkable. But also, there is a level of sympathetic and relatability to this character that we feel throughout the entire film. And then there's sort of this, you know, possible Robin Hood anti-hero sympathy that that starts to go out the window as you know he kills one of his his henchmen um, but I think part of the reason why I put him so high on my list is not necessarily what happens with Peter but the fact that he spares Peter not once in the car but twice. Because when he goes to prison and he refuses to reveal Spider-Man's real identity to the Scorpion, he shows like all of a sudden that that his his villain arc that we've invested in for however long like pays off. And I think that humanity and the morality and the menacing and the performance makes without question Adrian Toomes the Vulture one of if not the very best Marvel Cinematic Universe villains
3: period agreed now
1: you're a little biased but uh, <laughs> i i you mentioned one scene now i just
2: wanted to point out because i always thought this was interesting where he, where he does kill the henchman I, I i thought it was even interesting because again you know and he even says throughout the movie i'm not like how could you do this to liz i'm not doing it to her i'm doing it for her you know he keeps reminding us why he's doing all this but even when he killed the henchman Remember, that wasn't his intention.
3: I thought that he was the anti-gravity. the anti-gravity. No, gun. no, that's
1: that one. Oh, but I mean, he was, didn't seem to bust it up about it, but still. Right. You know. There was no remorse no. afterwards. And it almost no. was It, but. it, it gave him the ability to send a message and a lesson to everybody else who was around him that if you've even thought about crossing me, this is what I am capable of. And I think that was, that was another yeah. turning point for his character too. Yep. Yeah. Cause it's one thing to steal. It's another thing to kill intentional or otherwise. So, um, all right. So Nicholas, who, um, who is on, oh no. So oh, wait, oh it's to me, isn't yeah. it? It's to me. So, all right. If you want to stay in the Marvel cinematic universe, that's fine. We can sort of go, you know, by. um, um, you know, buy property. We could do Marvel and then maybe Star Wars and then and get to Disney. Look, look, I mean, how do we not put Loki uh, on the list? Um, how do I, you not put Loki? I, yeah, uh, because look, no other villain in the MCU, I think, can match the, the, the pathos of of Hiddleston's Loki. Um, he, by the way, he actually auditioned for the role of Thor. And if you <laughs> go on, on the YouTubes, you can find test footage of him auditioning for the role of Thor, which looks very awkward. But talk about a villain that steals a movie, even before it was refi- even before it was revealed for him to be the antagonist. And the thing about Loki that's fan- fascinating to me is how much we care about him, even when he's doing bad things, because his personal story is so tragic, right? I mean, his his history and his story is tragic for a lot of reasons, and he makes these, you know, 180-degree turns from good good guy to bad guy, and it layers so much depth into his character. makes him so very interesting. It's no coincidence that's why he's getting his own Disney Plus series, and, you know, as the anti-hero... He's a bad guy, right? He does a lot of really bad things most of the time. He's very jealous and he's very petty. I mean, he's there's a there's a childlike, you know, you know, stomping the ground uh uh aspect to him, but on the opposite side, like he does come through. He there is a bit of almost trustworthiness to him every so often. Um, you know, and, and I think there's obviously a, a level of humor to him as well i think you know the scene when um he, he pretends to be Od- odin and some of the other some of the other lighthearted comedic beats that we get from loki really makes him a likable bad bad guy i have been
3: falling <laughs> for 30 minutes <laughs> and how in thor ragnarok he literally just dumps odin in new york and then leaves him there
1: So did he do that for Odin's benefit or did he do do that to sort of try and banish him?
3: Like, I think he didn't want to like completely just like kill him so that he just put him in New York rather than just killing him so that he can take his place.
1: Right. But he didn't, that's what I'm saying. Like he's, he's some of his redemptive qualities are, I'm not bad enough to actually go out and, by, the, by my own hand, kill my father, and I also just can't banish him away, like I'm going to give him a life to live out, and, and if you look um, in some of the uh, bonus features, you can see there were some deleted scenes that they filmed of Odin in New York, um, having interactions with both loki as well as thor that unfortunately i think actually fortunately made it to the cutting room floor i think would have uh, been a little disjointed in terms of the flow of the movie but that's what i mean like just when you think loki is the worst possible like you're the worst brother just when you think he's the worst brother <laughs> in the world yeah. he'll do something to be like "Aw, loki give me a hug surprise Lots of surprises.
3: You are a that bad part. guy, but this does not. You are. Mean, you are
1: Doesn't bad. mean you're a bad guy. That's exactly it. Like, and I think that's what we're going to find in a lot of the people on our list. Like, there are some bad guys that we like because maybe they're not 100 percent bad, or maybe we have an understanding of why they are the way they are. And look, Loki's had a, Loki had a tragic upbringing. Yes, he grew up in royalty, but when he has that awakening in terms of where he came from and why and how he is never going to be the ruler of Asgard it is devastating to him. And all he ever wanted was the approval of his father, which he never, which I don't think he ever really got.
2: I, I t- that's my go. I have that a little clip of that on my phone. That's my go-to text answer when someone's not telling me something is the little clip of Loki. Tell me that. That's my go-to um you know loki i'll add this we could do a whole show on loki of course we could but uh well, i'll say this cuz uh, th- the arc of loki and how he was written was amazing uh, but tom hiddleston's ability to bring that character and and make when the actor infuses enough uh i was going to say humanity he's not human but enough of their if acting ability in there that you can be sympathetic for this character or understand him is incredible. And Tom Hiddleston is just such an amazing job. I think Tom Holland called him out though. I think it was Tom Holland kind of to our point where I, I think it was at a, a a con somewhere where they were doing press for one of the movies and he, uh, he he, uh, Tom Hiddleston was there and he said, you know, I don't think there's ever been a villain anywhere more beloved than you. And he's like, oh, 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 that's great, and all that. He goes, but y- y- you do get off kind of light for the whole New York thing, you know? <laughs>
1: Everyone kind of forgets
2: <laughs> about that. Uh, yeah, y- you know? So, uh, but yeah, the fact that Loki, the character, as written, as performed, can do what he did, but still become one of the most beloved, not just beloved villains, but most beloved characters. In the whole Marvel, Marvel universe. How many people went into Infinity War obsessed with, you know, how's he going to, or go, went into Endgame, I should say. How's he going to come back to life? Like coming up with all these theories of he was left handed, he was this, coming any way we can have Loki come back in Endgame. Um, I think more people are obsessed about that than how they're actually going to snap everybody
1: back. But no, his, his death, was tragic i mean there were yeah. like people sobbing when loki died because again there was the there was a, a a gravitas to it there was so much sympathy that we had for him because i don't think you know you don't hate him the way you hate some of these you know we're going to talk about characters that I, and i don't use the word hate lightly that you know you hate these characters
2: yeah I'm, and uh, uh you mentioned ragnarok nicholas earlier like coming off of that where um you know, you think he's his arc has come full circle and he is honestly a good guy now. And uh, even in, in Infinity War, you had a glimpse of all right, where's he going? He's a bad guy. But in the end, he you think still never sure with him, but you think he was trying to come back on the side. Right. But but yeah, I remember uh, counting the ways he could come back and. uh you know, I think more people. There were a lot of people like in that opening scene. I'm out, and uh, you know that was it. But uh, people
3: were so desperate to get Loki back, they were like, "Loki's the rat in Endgame."
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I was coming up with all these. You know, he's using the wrong hand, and he and he's come back before. No redemptions this time. As something right, no mean resurrections, purple right, guy. No Resurrections, resurrections this time. But- this time. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Jerk.
1: So, do you have any other, Tim? Do you have any other? You know what? We should
2: move on because we can go through every movie. I I will, I'll just add this. I think a, uh, you know, I love me some Thor movies. I'm one of those, I, I love A Dark World. I know it's maybe more on the bottom of critical acclaim for movies, but I know one of the reasons it does somehow sometimes get a bad rap, and this is a perfect illustration of what we're doing. As in A Dark World, you have Malekith as a villain who is just a flat-out bad entity with not a lot of depth, if you're going to be critical about it. And that's that's a good, perfect example of what we're talking about because you have all these villains we talked about and many more we didn't. And we care about them and we want to know what happens. And Malekith was one of those, he's just bad and he just wants to be bad and there's really no... Redemptive, of anything to him. So, I think for that reason, that's some of why Dark World maybe doesn't get held up as some of the other films does. For the sake oh, of without that a villain. doubt, without there's, there, there's no, no. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be nice, but I love. Yeah, there, the movie, there's no but, emotional.
1: Um, where? We have no sort of emotional he has investment. No personality. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. He was. A, so, I think that's, he's the worst. And that's when I alluded to earlier. I think he's the worst quote unquote Marvel villain in terms of execution. Um, of it in terms of just storytelling.
2: Yeah. So that by example of being that, that example of the how not to do a villain just puts more light on when you do do a villain well and do it right, how powerful
1: that is. So. Without a doubt. So do we want to um, move from here to Star Wars? Do you guys have any sure. Star Wars villains? I have some. <clears throat> Timmy Foster, go ahead. I, you know, I did think of this and uh, I'm so, by the way, as a quick personal, I'm so yeah. curious as to who you might have on your Star Wars list.
2: Well, I, I did think of that, and I was trying to go obscure and not for the slam dunk ones. Um I was even thinking of Dryden Voss <laughs> to bring him <laughs> up from solo just because Paul Bettany can be a villain in one movie and be the vision in the other franchise, and that's pretty cool. But uh oh, who do we go with here? You know what? I'll just throw it out there. Jar Jar Binks. Just get it out. out Just get to say Jar Jar
1: Jar Jar Binks is the worst Star Wars villain.
2: I love me some Jar Jar Binks, but I I guess you have the 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 Vader part, but that's hard. That's a hard one to do because there is a redemptive art to that whole story, which we all know. Um, The Emperor is the true evil here. I'm just going to throw. We'll start with that, and we'll like. We'll dig a little deeper as we go through, but if nobody says the Emperor, that's kind of a bad oversight. So let's see. I took Thanos and the Emperor, so I'm just going right for the top every time. But uh, um, I, you know, as opposed to Anakin slash Darth Vader and a lot of the villains we talked about, there's no arc to this guy. Uh, In fact, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but he's just he's just evil. He doesn't have a well, I don't know. Like in his mind, I guess he thinks he is on what well outwardly says, I'm bringing peace to the galaxy. You know, that's what he states as his ultimate plan. Like once we do this, there will be peace. Now peace in his mind is everybody does what he I tell them and shuts up. So that's heavily. kind of mean, but, uh, um, but he's just an evil guy. But then I, I guess we, reassessed it a little bit when we saw him and rise of skywalker and how we all felt about that and i'm still fuzzy on how he came back without don't send me to a book to read it because i don't read the books No explanation. but um <laughs> you know so there's a whole further continuation of his arc which just makes him even eviler than he was before but um um, but I guess there's an example of of a villain that's not just evil and wants to do evil things, but has the power to manipulate every little thing to his end, and that's a really nasty thing to do. So. He's just a jerk. Even when he was Palpatine in A Phantom Menace, I thought he was a jerk.
1: Well, but when he was even though we it,
2: didn't know, <clears throat> we didn't quote unquote know
1: then, but. Uh, Right, remember- but as Palpatine, he almost lures you, and we're going to touch on this later, he almost lures you into believing that he is, you know, a public servant that's, that's well-intentioned and compassionate and trying to do the right thing. And not that he's a psychopathic murderer who o- his only thing he wants to do is just literally rule the entire galaxy.
2: Well, I, I remember when Phantom Menace came out, which, and I, I love that movie, by the way. I'm just going to be on record saying that that was my daughter's Star Wars. That's when it came out. We saw it seven times in the theater. We cried when Qui-Gon died and all that. But I remember when it came out, there was... Now, if you were a diehard fan, you probably picked up on it real quick. But that was an unknown for those of us who don't remember when it was actually released. And we hadn't seen you know, Attack of the Clones. None of that was out yet. And there was a lot of speculation, honest to goodness, was thrown out there. Wait, is is Palpatine, is he the Emperor? You know that wasn't really known yet. So, and within the Phantom Menace confines, he was a a good guy, I guess. He was on that side. Um, now, in retrospect, you look back and, well, how could we miss that? That was clearly obvious from the get go. But you know, let's not forget, it really wasn't when the film came out, and there were a lot of people. If you were a casual fan, you certainly didn't know yet. And you just thought that's a nice guy, but you know the clues were there as you look at it. But um, but yeah, when he started, it seemed like he was our favorite public servant. He just wanted the good for everybody, and you know we will have peace, 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 peace.
1: Now we know better, but. And I think that's one of the the qualities about Palpatine. He is incredibly cunning. Um, One of the most successful villains in being able to actually execute on what he did he was you know if you think about it in the in the films his rule was only like 25 years or so right so he was patient he was very intelligent incredibly manipulative um, mm-hmm. but almost so evil that he has no problem not just killing you know planetfuls of people but even going against the people who were at one point his allies, whether it's Dooku or Gunray or whoever, he has no problem taking anybody out who is in his way. And I think on a micro and a macro level, his ability to turn things and turn people. Look, he turned Anakin very quickly against the Jedi. He turned the Galactic Republic into an empire. So when you talk about his powers it's not just his force lightning powers, but it's his powers in terms of leadership and being deceptive and influencing, you know, other people individually and collectively.
3: Palpatine orchestrated the entire clone wars just so that he can get power from everywhere.
1: And that's all he wanted. Like his, all, his he there was no well intention. Like, he, you know, he's a good
3: villain because of how evil he is, not because he's relatable, not because of that, just because he's evil.
1: And there's there's literally there's no redemptive quality to him at all. He would have done anything to gain that power to become, you know, immortal, you know, with with no reservation like at all. He's a jerk. <laughs>
2: but, that but you know, how he out. how he could manipulate people. That was like you said, his his actual abilities aside, his main great ability was just being able to manipulate everybody that he needed to manipulate to do exactly what he wanted, even to the point where whether his own device or Sith uh, powers like everything you could tell he was thinking. Not just one step ahead, two steps ahead. You're thinking like 25 steps ahead and how everything's orchestrated, how you manipulate young, bright eyed little Anakin Skywalker. I mean, you can't ask somebody if they're an angel and have evil in your heart. You're not evil, but he found it. And, uh, you know, I again, manipulated everybody to their end, even to the point like being an admiral on an Imperial cruiser. I don't know why anybody would want that job because you're probably going to get killed. Like why anybody <laughs> would want to be his Sith apprentice when, you know, you kind of know what happens. But I guess when you're in that line of work, that's a, uh you know, casualty of the
1: job or risk of the job. <laughs> so- right. Because you, you know. And, and he killed people both at his own hand, including his own master, as well mm-hmm. as other people through, you know, having some of the people around him just, you know, following orders. You know, I mean, the, the Jedi were killed, not his blood. The blood is on his hands, not physically, but it was his order 66 that eliminated all the Jedi. Yeah.
3: All right, so are we going to move on to our next villain? Are you staying in the Star Wars universe? Yes. Bring it on, brother. Excellent. This may be a little bit of an an obscure choice, and I don't know if you guys would be able to comment, but one of my favorite Star Wars villains is Darth Maul from The Clone Wars. He is just so evil. Like, he has no redemptive qualities like all these things his entire story arc is driven on revenge nothing else he just wants to get revenge on obi-wan and just wants to be like one guy who's ruling everything
1: so nick just quickly explain because for those people that saw darth maul get cut in half and fall down a shaft (laughs) in the films he does come back in Clone Wars, and he's slightly different than what we saw in the films. Correct?
2: I'm one of those people. I have no <laughs> idea what happened to him because I he's didn't. He's very it.
3: different in the Clone Wars. Like, first when you first see him, he's like insane, and the only way he survived getting chopped in half is because all he did was think about revenge. All he wanted to do was get revenge on Obi Wan Kenobi. So. Him and his brother, spoilers, meet up and they go and face him. And then in the Clone Wars, one of his big things is just chasing Obi-Wan around, trying to kill him and get revenge.
1: Right, which, Dead, is, which yeah. is obviously an inherent quality for a lot of villains. But like you said, there's no... He had no you know, delusions of grandeur. He did not want to be emperor. He was not trying to be, you know, anything else other than getting revenge on the people that put him in that situation.
3: In the last few episodes on Mandalore, like, he does everything he does because he's trying to lure Obi-Wan to Mandalore to face him, but Ahsoka shows up and then all these things ensue. I won't spoil it because it's the best arc and one of the best Star Wars stories ever.
1: So I did not have Darth Maul on my list because I felt that he lacked some of the qualities that made him a good villain. Great, uh, the guy's great with a lightsaber. He's not. He's not really a talking. He's not a talkative guy. But
2: not, he doesn't have a lot to say. Doesn't have a lot
1: to. <laughs> doesn't have a lot to a lot to, uh, to contribute to the conversation. He's awful at parties, by the way. Um, Snoke was not on my list. No backstory. I think they 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 failed in terms of taking advantage of that character. He's a, he's a weak. Imitation of, of Palpatine, who does not get a lot of screen That's time.
3: Why he gets chopped in half.
1: The character that I put on my list, and, and yes, we're going to talk about Darth Vader, obviously, but one of the characters that, that I put on my list is one that might not necessarily come to mind because he does not wield a lightsaber, he never grabs a blaster, he doesn't... By his physical hand, you know, have the blood of anybody on him, although he has the blood of many. Um, Jar Jar Binks. It is not Jar Jar Binks. And again, <laughs> this is where the casting made this character exceptional. And if you know, Grand Moff Tarkin oh, is, yes. I think, one of the most threatening characters. And if you think about it, right? He has no force powers at all but he is he is a a a vicious tyrant right but think about this right when think about his interactions with vader in in star wars right when vader is near tarkin he's much more of almost a background character right he's so much more like less violent and aggressive and talk about like being able to command respect, he is the one who's able to tell Vader to stop doing what he's doing, and Vader follows his orders without any question or hesitation. So if you want to talk about somebody that has true power without having any sort of force abilities or quote-unquote weapons in his hand, I think Grand Marf Tarkin absolutely qualifies for that. He's also completely ruthless, completely emotionless when he decides to blow up an entire planet after lying to Princess Leia. So I think for those reasons, um, you know, he we did get to see him again um, in later films. But I'm even just talking about him in that very first movie. And, And Peter Cushing, again, like. Not a ton of screen time, which, by the way, do you know that he wore slippers the entire time he was on sc- on screen and on set? I'm not kidding. There you go. Useless trivia. But Grand Moff Tarkin, I think, is a um, uh, an evil Star Wars villain that demands to be on this list. And so I have to ask, is Darth Vader, was he on your lists? No. Interesting. It's interesting because I think for a lot of people... And by the way, for those of you driving, please do not keep your eyes on the road (laughs) and hands on the wheel because, look, for a lot of people and a lot of polls, Darth Vader is the greatest movie villain ever to a lot of people, hands down. Like, Darth Vader beats every other baddies for a lot of different reasons. And look, that first time you see him in episode four, When he comes out with this towering black silhouetted frame and that that face mask and that that uh, helmet that he has and that deep ominous that grim tone again casting of James Earl Jones, you know, all that combined with his qualities as a leader, as a fighter. Right. In terms of commanding. Uh, an army wielding a lightsaber. He's one of the best TIE fighter or, or or pilots anywhere in the galaxy. He's pretty good with that whole force thing. Um, but again, <laughs> a little bit like what makes him such a great villain is the pathos, right? That, that use of emotion, that, that, that sadness that we are able to start feeling for a character that we were scared. I mean, look, Vader was a scary character, but, that first time he was on scene, he was so imposing and intimidating, which is part of the reason why we loved him so much and then all of a sudden we start feeling sadness and sympathy for him as he starts to go into this descent from hero to villain back to hero again. Like, that's an incredible character arc, not just in Star Wars, but I think anywhere in in really... Movie history. There's, there's a very Shakespearean quality to um, Darth Vader and his journey. And look, even just Star Wars in general, I mean, look, a lot of Star Wars was built on the, you know, the teachings of, of Joseph Campbell, right? Who really helped us understand storytelling and how it's intertwined with our lives. And he helped us sort of identify a lot of what these Um, themes and and archetypes are in the hero with a thousand faces and, and we understand from him what this hero's journey is and the transformation and the adventure that happens in all of the frameworks of stories really I think throughout any culture and George Lucas was a huge admirer of Campbell's work and admitted using them as a direct reference to influence star wars uh, but yeah lucas actually got to meet him but not until after the original trilogy was created but i think you know that's part of what makes star wars and these characters stand the test of time and just sort of part of 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 pop, forget just pop culture just sort of the, the zeitgeist because it has all those elements of you know the princess and the rogue hero and you know, the evil villain that's dressed in black. Um, and you can't have that hero's journey without a really good villain. It's how we started talking about this. And that's exactly what star Wars delivers with Vader.
2: Well, I did have Vader on my list. I just, it was hard. One, it seemed obvious, but two, the, well, the thing with, with Darth Vader, which does make him an incredible character is the arc we saw you know which and i guess when you evaluate you know he started good had a little little venture into that dark side thing you know but then came back to the light but yeah his his arc is legendary like nobody doesn't know about it actually i take that back because i'm gonna (laughs) have a little story about that but I guess I didn't really say it because there's so many more we do that we all don't know about already. So I just. But how remember, do we
1: almost. But, that's what I mean. Like, how can you not? How put, can you not? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like we have to you have. To have like, he without like without hesitation killed younglings. Yeah. He gets off kind of lightly for that. Yeah. Like, you uh, know, like, like
2: uh, you know, Loki got off for New York and. uh
1: you know, you we know. we think about sort of the the grand you know blowing up planets and and shooting people and and spaceships you know crashing. We don't think about the people on there, but when he stands towering over a group of kids with and his lightsaber just drawn, out his
3: lightsaber. Yeah,
1: I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that.
3: And, yeah, I mean and one I... of the best Star Wars scenes is the recreation of that first scene with Vader against the Rebel. And the rebels in at the end of Rogue One, just because it just shows him wiping the floor with all of them, and he's merciless. He's yeah. just like taking out his lightsaber, killing this one guy, throwing this other guy around, and it's just the thing that I can describe of, with Vader, Vader is intimidation.
1: Yeah, from the second you see him, he's an intimidating. Now, granted, I I I I, I think that the Hayden Christian Anakin years, it, it took a little bit of that, that intimidation away. He was a bit of those. a whiner. I'm not crazy about the Hayden Christensen <laughs> years. Um, I, I'm not crazy about Jake Lloyd either, but he's a kid, so I can't get too mad at him. Um, yippee, whatever. How one word can ruin a scene? <laughs> <laughs> but that's not that's not Jake Lloyd's fault. Um, but it did it, it. That took that. I think for me, that took away some of that intimidation factor. Like, seeing it like oh. that but it is part of his journey like again it's sort of that you know that up and down roller coaster journey uh, that we have with Vader
3: one thing like when i see him now i was like oh that was hayden christensen anakin skywalker no
1: when i see him he he is going to be that ominous figure in the first 5 minutes of episode 4
2: i think that's the that the that's why maybe uh we not you, but we struggled with this one a little bit because um, episode four, five, and six. Now, to me and you, that was episode one, two, three. We weren't doing episodes back then. That was the first time we saw him. And at that point, you didn't know the backstory. There was one, but you didn't know it yet. So he was very evil. And absolutely, during that time, he was. I was afraid of him. He was a classic bad guy but maybe that's a little bit, cause now we see the first three films and, and everything else. So now you see the whole arc and maybe tarnished isn't really the right word, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like <laughs> right. now, you know, so it's not, it's not just this guy's evil and blah, blah. blah. And, he, and yes, he did redeem himself in Luke's eyes. I still don't get over there. You killed a lot of kids, but Hey, that's cool. You know? <laughs> but, um, even then it was still you know suit Darth Vader, he took his mask off and ew, put that back on. but once you saw the the so much setup for who he was and all that and i I kind of wish I got George Lucas, I love you, so don't take this <laughs> but you do wish he his backstory maybe was more tragic and there was a clearer path to how he got to where he was because the the path you saw you could really you know that's all it took to get you to on one hand be a good kid and firmly on the good guy's side to being the most evil thing in the world was just you know
1: right but even how he got that right so, so when
2: you there first could, see there could be a lot if there's a more tragedy in right. this backstory right. and you felt it more then uh, maybe even today you take that whole arc maybe more to heart and you still think you know I I guess the early years maybe put a little tarnish on that because, you know, for well-documented, we know everybody, a lot of people feel about the prequels and stuff. You kind of said it yourself there, Lou,
1: but um, I mean, even look, even the way he got to that point, Tim, even the way he got that damage on his face and he lost his legs, there was so little sympathy there for him. Like, his, you know, Obi-Wan tried to help him. He tried to warn him. He tried to save him. Say, look, I've got the high ground. Like, this is your moment to be redeemed and his his arrogance in himself, like he, he became, you hate him as a villain, but you just dislike him as a person.
3: Yeah. Uh, it's over and
2: again. Yeah, so who knows? Well said. That reminds me, though, this is a total aside and a little levity to the conversation because you're bringing us all down here talking about evil people. But the no the <laughs> the notion of uh, faceless people being eradicated by a blast from the Death Star or a well-placed proton torpedo by one Luke Skywalker. There were people with families on that Death Star <laughs> They're scrubbing the floor. They're not doing they just wanted a job. You know, um, I, I was watching A New Hope again for the oh, two hundred and twelve time. I was struck, and I never—this never struck me before—but I was struck by the line when they make it back to the rebel base, and you see Leia and the the rebel, the, whoever that is, comes out. You're safe. When we heard about Alderaan, we feared the worst, and I actually couldn't help but thinking, is it the worst that millions of people just died, or knows the worst that one person's okay? You're okay, so it's all good. Let's go get him.
1: I just thought that was funny. When know. you said that, that reminded me, I think one of the best, very quick aside, one of the best yeah. scenes in a Marvel movie that involves a villain is Iron Man 3. When Iron Man is about to smoke the guy in the in the mansion and he goes, seriously, I don't even like working here. They are so weird. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like he instantly gets redeemed and, I, and, and Tony Stark right. lets him go. That's funny. Yeah, uh,
2: I like that one.
1: Good thing he wasn't quick on the trigger exactly right.
2: exactly so
1: all right so it's proof that i am that tony stark has a heart okay so <clears throat> i think are we are we done with marvel done with star sure. wars let's, let's let's, get our, let's uh, make you know our,
2: this is about disney proper we're all family point. here
1: so all right so tim bring us to your disney you know and I, and I included animation and live action in this list so you go wherever you know your your wikipedia takes you
2: well i'm diving in the pixar pool and this was just me trying to not an obvious go to one, but I think it's a very underrated villain for a lot of reasons, has a lot more depth than people realize, maybe. And that's Syndrome wow. from the Incredibles. Interesting. And I, th- I think for a lot of people might not th- when you talk about great villains in Disney history, Syndrome might not pop up at the top of the list, because as we'll talk about, I'm sure there are so many great villains just within the Disney universe, not even counting Marvel and Star Wars. But, and most people might not think there's a lot to this character because it's Pixar. It's a, you know, it's lighthearted. It's, it's fun. But if you think about Syndrome, um, he does have, it's questionable, but he does have motivation. And he's one of these characters, his motive. I think his motivation, he knows, becomes evil. But it was born out of he just wanted to be long. He just wanted to be incredible, And his to path to the dark side was born out of rejection and uh, your hero looking at you and saying, get out of here, kid, basically. Shattering your dreams, shattering your visions of yourself, your, your self-esteem, your ego and all that. And I think the, the, the thing about this, and I was trying to think of other examples of this because I'm sure there are some, of his, one of his prime motivations was to make it that nobody would be special. If I can't be special, if you can't be special, everybody's going to be everybody's special. Everybody's super, no and one then, can be. Then no one can be, right. Um, I think there's, I was trying to think of other villains that have sort of that same motivation. I'm sure they're out there. But he also struck me as one which I'm sure we'll talk about. we get some fun with this. It's a good Marvel question, too, to think about a villain um, like Spider-Man Vulture. Like they don't innately don't have a superpower or super ability um, to unleash upon the world like, you know, Thanos or somebody or the emperor. Um, But they're. Their ability is their smarts and their intelligence, but they—they're not special in any regard. They're not Mister Incredible with super strength, or Lassiter Girl with this ability to do stretching, or as we've seen with all the superheroes in the Incredibles universe, they have some ability, some supernatural, enhanced to use Captain America's uh, terminology. He just uses smarts to create this. Evil persona, which was very evil, and he had all these great toys, but again, spoke to his point of, I can make myself special, and I can make everybody else special, ergo, no one special, and all that. So, it's it's just interesting because it's it's a character you might not take seriously right away, or might not think about right away, and think of villains. But if you look, there is a lot of depth there and a lot of <clears throat> motivation behind him, which has a lot of broader questions you ask you know, about you know what what makes you not good or evil but what makes you special and what are these you know powers about that da, 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 da. you know so
1: I thought he was a fun I think one that's, to a, throw on that's a fascinating pull Tim and I didn't honestly I didn't even think about syndrome at all but as you say it and as you start and maybe the reason why I didn't think about him is because there's a level of sympathy that I have for syndrome because I don't think a lot of what... I think that there are clear, you know, psychopathic and (laughs) sociopathic mental problems that he has. Like, and I'm not saying that as a joke because clearly he was this very smart, you know, didactic, scientific kid who just wanted to belong and what happened just sort of set him off. And if you think about him and even the way he does things and and reacts to things like there's there's a level of you know sadism to him but there's also this weird calmness to him so if you think about when mr incredible destroys like his ninth tenth omnidroid whatever it is he doesn't freak out like he's totally chill he's like huh that's impressive. Like that was almost scarier than him just losing his marble. Yeah. So there is something that is very in- intelligent about him, but um, there's something very scary, and because he has, he seems to have just sort of a complete lack of a moral compass at all, other than when he spared the the life of poor little Jack Jack's baby sister, Carrie, um, you know, and not, and not kill her when, uh, when he went to go get the baby, which again, he <laughs> well, had no problem going to <laughs> kidnap a baby and put it in harm's way. <laughs> well, I see. He's a
2: nice, he's a nice kid, but I I think his arc maybe more would be one. Uh, and we talked just talking about Darth Vader and wishing, you know, or I wish, uh, you know, maybe now that we were told his arc and how he got to where he was, you know, maybe do you buy it? Do you not buy it? If it were more tragic, you could understand it then. Yeah. But if you look at syndrome, uh, you see how he uh, it's a good arc of seeing how somebody breaks. Mm-hmm. I guess you you see how he broke. And like you said, he, he probably it seems like he had. Issues, if you want to put it that way, before then, you know, so his journey to being syndrome and evil was a little decent, but you could see how he just absolutely broke and became this person. And in Syndrome's case, I buy it, I don't question, I didn't question, yeah, I don't know if I go all the way there, but <laughs> uh, but, but you buy it and again, it's whether how they wrote it, how the treatment is, and again, it's it's a light, it's more of a light hearted take on a villain and superheroes, obviously, for you know, being the Pixar film, but like many. <laughs> if not all Pixar films, especially much more than meets the eye when you start digging a little bit under oh, the yeah. surface of the story. So and that's a a great uh, example of it. And one, I think, which was a lot of people might not look at right away. Yeah, because so you, like- you look at other films where they do. But this one, there is a lot of stuff going on.
1: Yeah, because, you know, I, I you think about him as sort of because my son and I, we go to comic book conventions all the time. And, you know, you get to go, and, and that's where you have the up. Op- and he's almost like the disappointed kid at the comic book convention after meeting the person that who was his hero yeah. that you have in your mind's eye the way he's going to be in real life. Like, you idolize these people. And yes, most of the people who maybe get disappointed by the person being in real life, not being the person that's on screen. Maybe you don't turn into a, you know, megalomaniacal villain, (laughs) but there is that sense of disappointment and sadness when you hear or see that they do something that is not what you had or or you had always want him to be. But yeah, I mean, again, I think that there is, there's some, some mental problems that, that he may have. And I don't use that in a, in a mocking kind of way. Like I, I have sympathy for him in that way, but otherwise he is a completely sympathetic-free character for the most part. Yeah. So, uh, Nicholas, what are you? Uh, who's the first one on your Disney slash Pixar film
3: list? One that I put on my one that I put on my list is Hades. Yeah, from Hercules. He is such a good villain. Because he's super evil, like, there's nothing you can really relate to for him. Um, He's very fun and funny, which I can always look for. Like, I want to enjoy watching a villain. And he's just a really good villain, all in all.
1: So, was Hades on your list at all, Tim?
2: Uh in an honorable mention kind of way, but now, like, uh, when, I, when if I ever do a roundup of, like, you know, my ten favorite villains or, you know, within Disney, oh, yeah, he's on that list. You can't get much... You can't get much more evil than being Lord of the Underworld or whatever his role is. That's your job, so <laughs> of course you're evil. But, but he does... You know, he's evil to the core. His performance, uh, James Woods. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. Um, I, I, I would probably guess if he if he certainly ranks up there among the great Disney villains. I remember we were at the villains after hours party back in February. He was the center of attention. It was mm-hmm. based around him. So, you know, you had others who I'm sure will come up on this list on stage, too, but they were all in his service, trying to figure out what to do. So he's got some, he's got some villainous chops in the Disney universe. Um, I don't know if because Hercules being well-regarded, but not up there in the top, you know, three Disney movies of all time, maybe a casual fan might overlook it, overlook him right away. But uh, as opposed to some other villains, we're sure to get to on this list, but, oh yeah, he's a bad guy.
1: You know, I wanted to put him on my list and and he was there really as an honorable mention. And the reason why is for a lot of the reasons that you said, I I think he is this incredible Machiavellian, you know, manipulative evil character. But there's he's almost too funny and too lovable. And that that credit goes to the writing, the direction and certainly James Wood's portrayal of him again there's no sympathy for him that i feel i think he's a little more funny than he is ever menacing right i mean he's the lord of the underworld and i'm not scared by him which is you know it's a disney movie you're not necessarily supposed to be (laughs) um but i wanted to put him on it because hades not just he doesn't just steal the scenes i mean he steals the movie really um and i think that's why to your point you know the um the, the, the villains um uh, parades and, and villains, you know, after hours events at, at Walt Disney World, Hades is such a popular character. Um, you know, there's something that the sarcasm and the sass and, you know, he's a great antagonist, but he's not, you know, a super scary villain. So he he made the list because I felt bad leaving him off and it, again, also due in part because of the the portrayal by James Woods but I don't think he rises f- by my definition again it goes back to how we define you know good bad what is a the best or worst villain he didn't necessarily make my list and I will explain why as I go through my list later on but
2: <laughs> I will say like one thing for H- for Hades that would set him apart on this list or put him in a category because we've been talking about villains that have a lot of emotional depth and great arcs. Hades doesn't have an arc. He's just, he was Lord of the underworld. That's all, that's his job. So you didn't, there's no, he became evil from being in a good place and what happened to you and all that. So from that point of view, he's in a different category than these other villains, but he's also in another category because uh, there may be some other, vil- in fact, I know there's one cause I have him on my list, but a lot of the other villains don't, come or be portrayed with a sense of humor mm-hmm. you know and he's got um, you know like you said because of his performance in the writing and so forth there's, there's an element of humor to the character so and that sets him apart from you know I remember Emperor Palpatine telling Vader a good dad joke every once in a while so <laughs> you know a lot of these characters don't <laughs> there's not a humorous part to them even in Marvel uh, Loki aside but we are talking about Thanos and some of the more evil ones. There's a lot of uh, how they interweaved humor into the Marvel movies, especially later on. But even the, the bad guys were still bad guys for the most part. But, but Hades does have that. And I think that's why at the parties, he's so great too, because uh, what he does, there's an element of humor to what he's doing. And there's a joke and you know all
3: that. So. Yeah. All
1: right, Nicholas, who is next on your list?
3: You want to talk
1: about... Wait, wait, did- it's your turn. Oh, it's my turn. It's oh, your gosh, turn. okay. I say I lose track. I get so excited. You keep skipping yourself. Um, I, I'm, I really, I'm going to save my ultimate villain for last in hopes that none of you steal him. Nicholas, I think you know who I, we've talked about this offline just in, in so don't steal him because I'm going to save him or her for later. <laughs> so, there are. You know, like you, Tim, I almost wanted to go to a little bit more obscura, and there's there's some that I'm going to save for that. but I, I think, look, there there's no way that any of us can leave scar off the list, ah. well, it, it, I guess, <laughs> Good I, job. That's a great one. No, well, no, I mean, that's what I mean. like it, it's one of us had to mention it, right? So again, that's yep. why this is more conversational than us just sort of going through our list. And we know the story we know what he does we know the feelings that he has of resentment and this this quest for power for you know ownership of the throne i mean he's you know he, he murders mufasa he banishes simba he destroys the land i mean there's again so many shakespearean elements here um you know from hamlet and claudius and and you know he i even think that that scar is more ruthless than his Hamlet counterpart of Claudius because he is so just beginning to end evil he right? tries
3: to murder Simba he murders his brother he destroys the land just so that he can rule yeah
1: I, I mean and you know again I think there's elements of Iago not from Aladdin but from Othello in this this character too because he doesn't necessarily, you know, he doesn't, despite doing those things, he does not, you know, immediately face Simba head on. He does a lot of things to sort of plant seeds and let them sort of grow over time. You know, again, much like Iago sort of being passed over for Lieutenant, you know, the same way that that Scar has those same type of feelings about his rightful place on the throne. Once again, Scar is not Scar without Jeremy Irons. Um, the, and we haven't even talked about this too, but villains that have really good theme songs and performances, Be Prepared um, is a-
3: One of the best villain songs.
1: And it's not only one of the best songs, but there are, if you watch it again very closely, you will see a lot of, you know, World War II era propaganda type images in there that really sort of bring uh, a level of gravitas and fear to this animal character and and a a humanizing of that character and, and an understanding of really what he is doing to who are now his people and what he is doing to the land that he so desperately wanted to rule and you know, ideally was supposed to protect.
2: Scar's a bad guy.
1: <laughs> I'm quoting Shakespeare and you give me Scar's <laughs> a bad guy.
2: <laughs> Scar beeth the baddest villaineth of whatever thank you. That's
1: perfect. So I mean but I I mean was he on your list or you think he, he certainly Absolutely was on my list. That's why I went Urgh! where you took him from <laughs> Yeah and and I think for some people Scar could easily rise to um he could rise to very very close to the top of of people's lists as well.
2: I I think I actually if I ordered my list he was number 1. In fact I'm not even going to say I think he was hmm. is number 1. he's just he's just evil. he's one of the I I think um one of the great things about him too. Is As we're talking about, we move from Marvel to Star Wars to Pixar, and I guess we're in Disney Renaissance territory. Um, so many great villains came out of that era, and he was one of the first. Not the first, but one of the first. And I know, like for me, um, I can relate to it on the level of that was the first real movie that we took our daughter to see. and. You, how scared she was of this character you know that and that gives you we we talk so much about seeing Disney through your child's eyes and this is a case where you can see I could see her reaction to Scar and Mufasa dying and everything else from her point of view and it just made it that much more tragic not that it needed more because it was extraordinary well done Jeremy Irons is amazing the song is amazing like you said everything about it was so perfect, but just but to see that through your child's eyes to grow up with it and realize he was one of the first characters in the in the Disney renaissance again, which led to so many great villains. For me, though, I will say scars most horrific thing that he ever did and what will forever cement him as a worst villain in Disney history was preventing Zazu from completing his rendition <laughs> of It's a Small World. That is a crime. That is a true crime against all that is good in the universe. So you know, you, you for that about- alone, I don't care about the stampede. I don't care about what you did to the Pride Lands. They had it common, but you don't stop someone from singing that song.
1: I'm sorry. That's just, me, so. you know, you talk about taking your kids. And, and if you think about it, <clears throat> that murder of Mufasa, and that's, it's nothing short of, of a, a murder, is incredibly traumatic, for right? watching go to any you know show at Walt Disney World or, or world of color in Disneyland where they show that scene and you know what's coming and you can't help but cry a little bit when you see mufasa's death and the cold eyes that scar has and I think that's why no remorse when scar dies I don't think anybody, feels any sort of sadness for him like he his death was one that was very well deserved and you don't you know you don't yep. like saying that but it's true because of just how bad he was and the way that he did things well i think we all have those disney moments
2: growing up or was that one movie that got you like for bed knobs and broomsticks maybe cry i still don't really know why to this day but it did but for us uh that was. It took us three or four times for our daughter to be able to sit through that scene. Honestly, we we left the movie like three times because <laughs> that's how. Well, not, not and not jokingly. That's how powerful it was, and especially to a, uh, uh, you know, five or six year old, whoever she was old she was. That's how powerful it was, and then once we got through that, but then that's how powerful a villain Scar was because yeah. you know terrified her, and um, so yeah, seeing it through your kid's eyes and that's a horrible that's a, one of the most worst scenes in all of Disney disneydom which i know from a parent point of view now like you know it's like you said pretty bad and i was cheering him on when he <laughs> he got in the end serves you right you jerk you know but uh that's why he's up there as one of the best if
1: not the Or worst. He's the best of the worst, the best of the worst, best of the worst. All right. So who's next on your list? Who's next on your list? Uh, Tim, me.
2: Oh, uh, let's see. You know, what? how about for the sake of you, we have to mention them? And I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I don't think either one of you had. I'm going to do a two for one here because I don't think they're on your list that they were. Please stop me. But uh, let's go back to classic Disney. I don't think any discussion of Disney villains is not complete. Let's talk about Maleficent. Mm-hmm. And I will throw in there the unnamed <laughs> the Evil Queen from Snow White. The original villain. And, um, you know, again, I bring them up because you have to bring them up. Uh, they're legendary. Uh, Maleficent has obviously gone through a lot of... I think Maleficent. It's safe to say is the most popular Disney villain of all time. However, you want to rank such things, um, popularity, longevity, and just how she keeps coming back and back and back through, you know, the original films and the remakes, uh, the Maleficent dragon in <laughs> on parade, which is one of the most incredible float parades. Uh, parade floats i've ever seen the steampunk fire breathing dragon but uh, the fact that that character in dragon form can come back today and still be incredibly incredibly popular it's just a testament to the the powerfulness of that character but interesting how she gets a sympathetic arc in later portrayals from Angelina Jolie in the live action films. I admit I didn't see the second one, so it could have all gone out the window the (laughs) second one. But I remember seeing the first one and how uh, it was such an interesting take on the character and you saw her in a different light. But um, again, here's a character that has so much depth, especially when you got to see in Maleficent, how she, that arc of how she became, the Maleficent we all know and loathed in uh, the original Sleeping Beauty and so forth, but and then this the Evil Queen. Uh, just because she was the original, and and I my best memory anecdote of the Evil Queen would be <laughs> the very appropriately named Snow White's Scary Adventures <laughs> attraction, and it just it was that one attraction had the distinction of for all the world looking like any other fantasy land dark ride, you know, it's fun for kids and all that for a lot of people, my family included, that was one of the most scariest attractions they'd ever been on. Forget tower of terror, forget, uh, you know, expedition Everest. This scared the life out of many kids and many parents because of that one scene where the queen turns and is the witch. And I guess, uh, on a deeper level, that's kind of my most your your inner fear of a lot of people like seeing that evil side literally come to life and so. Ride that ride. I was so <laughs>
3: yeah. scared of it.
2: There, you see, like uh like my daughter would I think she took it in stride. I, I wrote it all the time, but I liked extraterrestrial alien encounter, and I bad badly mongled that pronunciation, but I loved it, but it was a scary ride because that very first Disney villain was, was one of the Mm -hmm. scariest
1: of all. So, you know, Maleficent was, she's on my list, but really as an honorable mention. Um, Oh dear. Well, because while I, I obviously she has incredible powers as a sorceress, uh, the dragon is a beautiful villain you know, she's basically the, Sleep. The movie should just be called The Grudge because that's really what it was. She was just <laughs> mad that she didn't get to go to the christening. Listen, I've been to enough christenings in my life to know it's OK if you miss one. Like chances are it's just being catered. It's not that good. But I mean, that's really where her motivation comes from. Look, as somebody who was never invited to parties growing up, I never wanted to take the life of anyone, let alone wait and plot 16 years to do so and hunt people down and turn into fire-breathing dragons. So, yes, we understand from the live action that she's a little bit misunderstood. Clearly, she's got some um, deep-seated, you know, issues in terms of... um, uh, friendships and relationships and things like that. Um, I love the portrayal of her. I love the character, but I think because of the motivations and which brings zero sympathy for me. Like, okay, so you didn't go to a party. You're you're, you're overreacting. A just a- ruthless. <laughs> Tim I never got invited to a party like I can I can tell stories about grammar school high school college law school till adulthood it's all pretty <laughs> much the same but and I think that's maybe why like her <coughs> motivation is not this grandiose taking over the world it's not revenge on somebody she's mad that she didn't get into invited to a party and obviously I know that it's much deeper than that and I'm, and I'm making somewhat light um of it but Um, yeah so that's why maleficent while i love the character i don't think she is a top disney villain was she on nicholas was she on your list Mm -mm. no
3: she was not on my list
1: all right so can um, i say
2: jafar or do you want you guys want to say
1: (laughs) well i mean one of us is going to say it so but nicholas (laughs) who's next on remember remember the the, the evil queen's motivation was
2: i'm not as pretty so you know take that so is jafar on your list nicholas
3: I was just trying to do things, I was trying to do things that I knew other people were not going to say, All right, so knew you, that you guys were going to say So Jafar's Jafar on my
1: list, so Nicholas, go with yours, and then I, and then we'll talk about Jafar. All Jafar
3: right.
1: is... Well, so who's on your list next?
3: I was waiting, for, like, my next one on my list is, like, the big one, and I want to wait till last. Oh, but is it you the know? same as mine? Yeah. <gasps>
1: I'm not sure if I'm happy or, or mad. All right, so let's, let, let's, talk, about let's talk about Jafar. Let's talk about Jafar. Let's talk about Jafar. Again, he is a psychopath with no morals, right? No. Um, he more. has no feelings of remorse. He is consistently evil from the first time we meet him to the end. And the things that he does to... Uh, to move that 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 evil intent going forward like tricking jasmine into being i don't want to even call him her his queen to being his slave for lack of a better word so that he can kill her and take the throne which is really what his uh intention is his he has incredible malfeasance to everyone that he meets right he and and he has sort of that you know atypical what is the villain motivation? He just wants to be powerful and is willing to compromise anyone and everyone to try and achieve that. Um, I think from a, a design point of view, he's a beautiful looking villain. And if you watch Aladdin very closely, the the use of color in that film is incredibly telling because you when Jafar enters the room where there's a the scene everything red. is all red and when everything else is going on it's much more muted blues and and earth tones and things like that um you know he is a manipulator um he doesn't care whose lives he puts on the line for really what just amounts to
3: ruling you know, well
1: right it, it, it's political opportunism right and and so it it's about for him it's political motivation and incredible ego. um, But despite that, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a worthy adversary for Aladdin and genie and whatnot. So uh, he's, he, I think he's another one of these like scar that sort of has to be on the list because he does tick a lot of the requisite boxes for what a, a true, evil villain has to
3: be.
1: I'm wondering uh, what we've talked
2: in the beginning, you asked how we ranked our villains, like what criteria were used. And this actually brings up, if you were to pick a villain and we might've just done so, because we talked about villains where you could see their character arc. You could see the, the tragedy that happened early that turned them into the villains that they are today. And sometimes it gives you a little sympathy for them. And if you're ranking the villains based on the depth of their characters and their story arcs, you go that route. But If you were to rank a villain just purely on how villainy they are and how evil in their heart, and they have no redeeming qualities at all, there's no sympathy for them. But that probably makes you the most evilest, scariest thing of all because you can't explain why you're so evil. I guess when you ex- when you can explain why somebody's evil – the character's evil and you can see their backstory and you get some sympathy. It takes a little bit of the evilness away, as it were. You, you can relate to them on some level. But when you just can't relate to this villain on any level because they are just so far gone over the top evil, that's a good way to rank an evil villain. Yeah. I don't know if maybe Jafar, Scar too, they both fall in that category. They there's no arc or reason why they got to where they are. Scar maybe. A little of the overlooked bit, you know, from Mufasa being king, him not, but maybe I'll grant him that little bit. But that they're just evil, you know.
1: Right. And, and, his, the power, Emperor. Right. and his power. Right. And his power. Yeah. But and his power yeah. sort of comes from, you know, whatever sort of mystical powers in the staff and obviously. The lamb. He does have a great sidekick, though, too. So you give yeah, him. You got to give him some credit for greatest sidekick
3: villain points. sidekicks.
1: There you go. <laughs> that's a separate. That's a separate that's show a separate. altogether.
2: Top
3: ten best sidekicks.
1: <laughs> um, all right, so Tim, who else do you have? On oh, your this was list?
2: mine. Oh, I. Uh, you, wow. Because uh, that was sort I mean, of like a
1: group. That was a group yeah. effort, right there.
2: I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna end. <laughs> now I'm gonna have. T- well, I loved Zerg, and I wanted to talk about Emperor Zerg, but. That's like Darth Vader light, so you don't have to be there. I I really just wanted to bring this up because I wanted you'll know why. Wreck it, Ralph! You know what? Wreck it, Ralph! And you were talking about him. Kind of, you kind of have to wonder is because Ralph's a bad guy, but he's the good guy, but he's the bad guy. So he's interesting. He's not a villain. The true villain, though. King Candy, and I really only bring that up because I want to hear you do your best, King Candy, which is amazing. That's the only reason I bring it up. So, uh, so let me ask you: because is he the
1: last one on your list? Um, yeah, I was kind of Sorry. into honorable mention territory okay. with a lot. Because of I these. think There's this, so, this is there a, are so many. But, yeah, and, uh, and this is and Tim, you uh, um, Nicholas, you just have the one last one on your mm-hmm. list, which I know who that is. I want to save it for last. But I'm really happy that you brought up king candy here because i want to sort of just take a quick like side track and talk about how the disney villains um have have changed a little bit over the years right so if you look in terms of the recent departures from a lot of the the traditional sort of musical format of films right think about recent films Big Hero 6 and Zootopia um, you know but yes we've got Frozen and Moana but the the villains there are a little bit non-traditional right so if you think about those films there's non-traditional villains and you you mentioned Wreck-It Ralph when you started looking at Ralph Breaks the Internet there really is almost no villain at all right you know Vanellope is sort of monomythic journey um, you know is really uh, about her personal journey there's no you know Virus Ralph isn't really sort of a villain but what King Candy is and at some point it's just he's going to come out and I'm going to do my stupid voice because I love him (laughs) so much but what he represents is something that I think was sort of introduced you can almost point to, to Toy Story some of the early Toy Story films and what we're really looking at are, are the surprise villains, twist right? villains, right? The, the the twist villains. So if you and we can almost call it like a bait and switch, right? So if you if you go back to um, the early films, so even like Toy Story two for example, for most of the movie, we're pretty much convinced that the villain is Al, right the 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 evil toy collector that's trying to buy them and sell them to the Japanese museum. And then all of a sudden in the third act, we have this surprise character. Stinky Pete comes in and he, you know, he comes across, Oh look, it's Frazier from cheers. Of course he's going to be a great guy, but he is, he betrays our heroes and he sabotages, you know, the, the escape. And all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute. What is this like unsuspecting twist that, we're going to be introduced to that allows us in the third act to get this tragic backstory to allow him to very quickly become sympathetic. All of a sudden, like I think there was this added layer that we started to get introduced to as opposed to some of the early films that we're talking about, whether it's a Cinderella sleeping beauty, Alice in Wonderland with the queen of hearts, whatever it might be where it's that traditional villain or megalomaniacal tyrant that you'd have. And that continues on, right? So think about some of the other surprise villains. Lots of hug and bear. I hated that guy because I was all down with the strawberry. They came out with the plushes that smelled like strawberry. Kudos to you, Dizzy, <laughs> because you roped me in. I was like, oh my God, he's a hugger. I'm a hugger. Hug I bear. love Lots of hug and, and And then, then it wa- turns into
3: a prison movie. And
1: it's you're crushed, and I... Refuse to allow lots of hug and Bear in the house, but we Aww. see it over and over again. King Candy again, surprise villain, Hans. Right, syndrome. Hans, exactly. But it goes on and on, and and if you th- and I was trying to sort of think about who all the surprise villains are. Hans was a surprise villain. I, I wasn't. Cre- I-, I almost felt a little cheated because the reveal was so sort of sudden. That there was it, no build up. It didn't. It didn't build up to it, right? And and even his motivation, all he cared about was the throne. It's just sort of a, a traditional sort of villain trope, and and it, and it didn't really advance the plot of Frozen uh, Silver, so you know, too much.
3: One twist villain that I am not a very big fan of is Mayor Bellwether at the end of Zootopia. So
1: I actually have her on this part of. The list, because she she literally is the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? But that you never saw coming. Like, I don't think anybody expected...
3: There was just no buildup.
1: Th- there was no buildup, but there was that, you know, she's the sweet sheep, and she's got this cute
3: it little voice. came out of nowhere.
1: She came out of nowhere because she's a throwaway character. She's, you know, doing menial, you know, jobs, and she's, she's pushing paper. Assistant. But what you find out is that deep down... This this unsuspecting little wayfish character is this diabolical mastermind, and I think look so. There's a lot of you know important messaging and overtones in Zootopia, and Bellwether is this incredibly prejudiced person against predators, right? And and some of the things that she says are you know unfortunately have you know far-reaching overtones and she too is incredibly not just hungry for power but she's ruthless in her pursuit of it and she's willing to not just sort of push people out of the way she's willing to kill anybody like she's willing to kill these she's prey animals to
3: change the public's perception
1: right right she wants to turn people against the the predator minority right and there's there's a there's a bit of you know again going a little bit deeper. Like, there's there's a a, a sadism to her. Um, But what makes her interesting is that she's not threatening like Maleficent, and she's not fun like Hades, and so her motivation fits in, and she's, like, so I think she's a great twist villain in terms of the way that she... I think she's a better twist villain than, for example, Tomatoa from Moana. Like, I... I love the film. If I could take that scene out, it it didn't fit. It didn't, it, it it was a little disjointed for me. And I think you could almost, you didn't need that overarching villain um, in that. I think, you know, we, we lost the villain's journey, which I think is sometimes as important as the hero's journey to have there. But look, there's other ones. So Stromboli from Pinocchio, he almost, I'm going to, I have, Big Hero Six on my list. I have Yokai on here, and and if you if you don't know who Yokai is, he's the alter ego of uh, Professor Callahan, right? And again, we don't necessarily see that coming because he's this friendly, smart guy, you know, daytime, and at nighttime, he's this Kabuki inspired, you know, strong, fast. Again, the dark clothed character that has no problem putting kids in harm's way he set fire to the building and the exhibits he it killed dadashi he killed dadashi like and instead of just saying hey wait a minute why don't we all team up and try and figure out how to get you know my daughter out um he decides to just eliminate everybody that's in his way for his own personal pursuits however sympathetic that might be and there's the fact that he's not relatable makes him a worse character. Like, it makes him even a a, a worse villain. So you think that you're going to sympathize with him because he lost his daughter, but the fact that he's willing to not only kill Tadashi, kill these kids and destroy the city for no reason, with no remorse, makes it very, like, hard to relate to him, right? What makes a lot of the villains interesting is that there's a sense of righteousness that they feel they think that they are doing the right thing or at least what they need to do which makes them more human callahan doesn't have that like he does not think he's a villain at all despite donning the the kabuki mask um, which again there's symbolism in there too because kabuki masks the colors on the mask have different symbolism. So the red represents passion. So it's almost literally on his face. He's showing that he is doing this from a, a personal, passionate, fatherly type of thing. But there's no there's no sense of, of sympathy for him really at all because of the way he goes about doing it. Um, Sir Miles Axelrod, Cars 2. Ernesto de la Cruz in Coco. Again, you don't see him being the twist villain, uh, Evelyn Deaver in The Incredibles, Charles Munts from Up, these are all like twist villains over and over again. And, and these surprise villains, which is almost starting to become a, a bit of uh, I don't want to say an overused trope, but now we're almost expecting like, OK, who's going to be <laughs> who's going to be the surprise villain? Because that's kind of what we're looking for in these films. I can I can put you guys on the spot here real quick. Please do. Cause you made, you made me think
2: I, I couldn't, I, th- I sort of have one, but can you think of examples of the opposite where you have the villain and the twist is they're not the villain and they're actually a good person. I'm not, I'm not talking about one that got redemption. I'm talking about someone who you thought was the villain. They were never were the villain and they were actually the good person. Can you think of it like the alternate twist, the other twist? See, I put you on the spot. And I can only come up with a sort of one. So tell me Roz. who your sort of one is. <laughs> My Cause, sort cause of I one, one is, but I'm not sure if I, I could articulate I it. I think I have one. My sort of one is Roz, and that doesn't really fit into it. But in the sense of a character that you thought was just not a villain, but mean, you know, and that's all she was. But then you find that at the end, she's, you know, actually the one behind every and, and on the good side, you know, that kind of thing. But I was trying to think of an actual. You thought this was the villain for the better part of the movie just to find out they're not. And I don't I I thought of the uh, Ben Kingsley as the faux Mandarin, but not really. He wasn't a good guy in the end. He just wasn't really who he thought he was. But uh, Nicholas, sounds like you got one.
3: No, I was just thinking about one. I was just thinking about one. Who would it be? Talk it out. Like, I don't know if you would get this, but it's a marvel. In Infinity War, it paints Thanos as the protagonist. I know he's a villain overall, but in Infinity War, like, he is the main character in the movie. Like, I was thinking about it.
1: You know, you can almost say that, that Nebula goes from villain... To yeah. heroin, whichever sort that's of that's a redemption timeline. Time well, it's a different timeline, yeah. <laughs> you know. Which nebula <laughs> is it really? Um, you know, it's interesting that you say. I have to. I would have to sort of really but think
2: about that. Think one. about I mean, it.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I keep for some reason I keep thinking about Captain Hook because Captain Hook. You, you know, it's it's no mistake that the voice of Captain Hook is the voice of the darling's parents. Well, I don't know. I I know what I want to say, but I'm not, you know, Captain Hook is this dangerous, you know, pirate revenge-seeking bad guy. Um, But, you know, the voice of Captain Hook, the father, really deep down loves his children, even though he might come across as a bit of a bad guy to them in the early scenes.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm sure there's one out there. I'm sure there's one. People are
2: screaming. I'll think about it. Yeah, I'm sure there's so many. Well, I I tell you, like the other, the flip side, you said the, the twist of who's not the villain and all of a sudden they are the villain is becoming pretty, you know, pretty common anymore. Just like the other one unrelated to villains is, all right, who are they related to? Like you're just waiting for that to happen anymore, but. This twist might be an under... I think we got a movie idea here. We should
1: we should flesh it out and work on it. I was hoping... You know, when I was watching Tangled for the first time, I was sort of hoping that Mother Gothel mm-hmm. was not going to be the bad person that... She was being portrayed like it almost seemed so obvious. I'm like, oh, there's gonna be a twist, and she's really gonna be the good guy, and she's gonna come back and she's gonna help Rapunzel and flynn rider later and well, obviously it never happened, but because there was something, you know, despite her being dark and having a great singing voice, there was something charming about her, despite the fact that she was, you know, a master manipulator and and locked her in the, the tower for her entire life. Despite those things, she was actually a very nice person. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a couple. Of, I think we just have to quickly mention that I, are, I'm surprised we're not. There's one on, you
2: haven't brought up again, which I thought you were. Well,
1: so. there is one that I'm going to get to that that I'm saving for last. And I think that okay. there for me, it is unquestionably the best, worst, worst, best Disney villain. Cruella yeah. ah, Deville, I think, is going to be on people's lists. Look. Oh, Yes. Yes. She killed puppies. Like, that's all you need that's, to say. That's bad news. Um, that's bad. She's got very bad road rage, and she's incredibly vain. Bit of a sociopath. <laughs> road rage. A lot of things wrong with her. I think Queen of Hearts could also be on the list. I'm surprised none of you mentioned Gaston. Uh, <laughs> I think Gaston is... And I did not have him on my list because I don't like him as a villain. I, I The character for me is... The, the the childlike entitlement and arrogance and very stalker-like, you know, manipulative person that he is. I just don't like the character, and I don't know if he necessarily rises up to the level of full-fledged villain on the same scope and scale that we are talking about. Yes, I understand what his intentions are and what he tried to do, but he did not necessarily rise up to the level of... I think it's time to reveal my number one. Well, wait, before you, wait. Before you get there, because I'm all I'm, I'm all I'm all a flutter. I can't wait to hear <laughs> is is maybe the
2: beast an answer to the question I posed.
1: Maybe he yes. I think
2: for the most part of that film, you thought the beast was the villain because it's the beast and he never was. And it turned out Gaston was maybe that maybe that's why it. Gaston maybe doesn't get the full. Uh, he gets the honorable mention list on the villains because, you know, for the most part, not, I mean, he was a jerk the whole time, but, you know, um, unlike Scar, Jafar, Ursula, you know, all these people, they, they were just the villain the whole all the way through the movie and so forth. there you go.
1: Kronk, number is one. Cronk is Kronk, is, is he a, yeah. a, a non, I'm really trying to stretch to try and find an anti-villain um, that you brought Cronk's up. Kronk's just a lovable. Cronk he is a lovable is just... guy. It's, he's David He's Putty, a sidekick. So. So look, the sidekicks aren't evil. Iago isn't evil. I think the personification of evil is, is in my number one. And I think without question, judge Claude Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Notre Dame is without a doubt, the wow. ultimate villain.
2: 100%. And that's not who I thought you were going to say
1: without a doubt. Um, and, and, and there is a lot that, that to unpack about him. And I want to sort of dance delicately on, on some parts. Um, he is incredibly scary. He's a sinister character. And what makes him so scary is that he is a human being with no powers, with no weapons, with nothing, you know, nothing that makes him special. Right. And almost the fact that he holds himself out as a religious person and sort of, you know, claiming that he's sort of doing God's work almost makes him even more evil right he is this this, you know absolute power corrupting absolutely and using his position of authority for his own purposes more so on top of that taking any of his intentions away there are two things really that, that i think make him so incredibly evil like his his cruelty to quasimodo is not just merciless it's it's borderline inhumane and that alone i think would make him rise to the the level of you know super villain right i i think there's there's no remorse he is incredibly heartless there is nothing redeeming about him at all he is selfish and greedy like but there is something genuinely terrifying about him because you almost could imagine him being a a real person like a story that's being told about a real person and his obsession with esmeralda and i want to delicately use the word lust because that's what it is and that song hellfire is one of the best, worst villain songs anywhere. Like, it's a scary song. It's a scary scene when he sings that. With all
3: the people in the red robes just, like, looking over it.
1: It is, there's nothing playful about his malevolence at all. Hades is the anti-Frollo, right? Everything about him is fun and funny. There is nothing cartoonish he's about his wickedness at he all Doesn't
3: not make anything he's just the embodiment the personification of evil and he has this
1: incredible sense of vanity that makes him so much darker he believes that him, and this is his words that he has that he is so much purer than the common vulgar weak licentious crowd like He believes that he is above every other, and when he can't get what he wants, right, in the, like, if I can't have you, nobody can, he's willing to not just banish her, kill her, he's willing to burn Esmeralda at the stake with the rest of Paris. Like, if you don't love me, I'm going to burn you, and I'm going to burn down the city of Paris at all. And I think the fact that he is, unlike a lot of these other villains, he is in a position of authority. So he is empowered by his position and this sense of self-righteousness, both internally for because of what he wants and whether it's true or not, that he believes he's doing this virtuous work of God, makes him
3: so, like, he's not just a, he is frightening. Originally... He was supposed to be a priest, but then they changed it because they didn't want to make a really evil priest because that would be terrible.
1: That would be a problem. Yeah. So was he on your list at all, Tim? No, I have a couple more. Actually, I'm on my list. I thought you were,
2: I don't know why, because I thought you were alluding to Dr. Facilier from Princess and the Frog. Which, <laughs> in retrospect, I think, well, probably isn't on your list, but... uh. That's what I thought you
1: were going to mention. I, I wanted him to but be. I right. I so I, I wanted him to be because I love that movie, right? But Damn. I don't think I don't think Facilier qualifies um only well, matched up against some of the other people that are on the list. Well, I have a couple more. I don't know if I'm going out of turn, or is it no, let's it's a, it's a free all right, for all at this point.
2: Last round, my free for all. I had two two left and they they're very different. One was in the lighthearted villain vein, but popular is uh <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas, Oogie Boogie. Everybody <laughs> loves him. Um but but the other the other one, this was my most evilest evil, and this is because there are many of the characters we talk about have a bizarre motivation for being evil or they possess powers. Whatever the reason, they're not they're not real life. You know, you're not, I'm pretty sure a dark Lord of the Sith isn't walking around my neighborhood right now. Ready to
1: listen, man, it's 2020. It. Anything is possible. So that's you true. Never know. <laughs> but um,
2: my vote for, and this might be one of the most hated villains in all of Disney cinematic history is lady Tremaine from Cinderella. Mm. And I, uh, th- at least to me that one of the reasons why she is so terrifying and so evil is that she's a she could be a real person mm-hmm. like there's nothing supernatural or uh, bizarrely motivational behind her she's just you know an evil person and we've known mean people now that she's mean beyond <laughs> any reasonable sense of the word but i think what's terrifying is that we can we can all relate either personally or through people we know, um, you know, family and and step and all that kind of thing. And yes, this, the Disney stepmother is a cliche. Long has been a cliche. And it's actually when it doesn't happen that the villain is not the evil stepmother. That was a nice revelation when that started to be the case. But be that as it may, the, you just look back at that movie and you watch it and you think about her and the stepsisters and all that. And it's, it's just so that much more terrifying. I think it's because we can all relate to it on a certain level and it's not that outlandish that something like that you either would live through or, you know, people that live through that kind of thing. It's, it's just that it's so real, I right, guess, is what makes it so terrifying. It's right, not the psychological
1: strong, abuse. You know? Right. Just like just, just like for Quasimodo, yeah. the psychological abuse it doesn't have to be physical. You know, it, it it's it's and unfortunately, it's sadly relatable, um, I think, um, too much. And I think that that is what makes her so incredibly wicked.
2: Yeah, So those are my I think that we kind of went through so many honorable mentions during this. She kind of did whip through all mine. So, I think uh, the only
1: other one that just bears a, a, a quick mention um, is Chernobog.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I
1: think Chernobyl is, you know, he does not get a lot of screen time. He may arguably have the best theme song. I I love Night on on (laughs) Bald Mountain. Um, But he is sort of meant to be that pure representation and and personification of evil, right? There's no motive. There's no redemption. There's no sympathy at all. He just wants to, you know, he's just a, a destructive character um you know based on you know the the christian devil and the slavic sort of god of night um the size again like darth vader right it's like that size it's the black it's ominous he's got these sort of unlimited powers except if the church bells ring and the sun comes out you know he's like a little (laughs) bit of of a vampire but um i think for a lot of people just when you think of disney villains he might be one that um that comes to mind
2: Darmamu, did I say that? Darmamu? That's my other one. He's Darmamu. He's come to bargain. As Chris Pratt. <laughs> no, as Chris Pratt would say. Darmamu is so... F- no.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think, I think there's other, and I'm sure people are There's going, so many more, but, Yeah, what about you know. Ursula? What about, you know... What about her? Oh, what, yeah, we forgot Ursula. Sorry, Ursula. I,
3: At the end of the day, most Disney villains are really good. It's like, about, good
1: and they're bad. Like, yeah. they're good and that like they're bad
3: they're good at being bad
1: Sean you isn't I mean it's good you know, to be bad yeah I, I, I look there's there's ones that um, um
3: the I, hunter from Bambi I would say man man is oh. a bad.
1: <laughs> of course Nichols had to go to Bambi right you had to really bring it down wow. at the end <laughs> but I mean I think that's part of the the you know the um The fun and and this, again, this progression of what villains have gone through over the years, right? If you sort of think about Disney movie making and, and a lot of the films that we're talking about, going all the way back to the beginning, you know, there were these very clear overt villains. There are the bait and switch villains. We've got some, you know, to a certain degree in some of the films we were talking about, you know, Ralph Breaks the Internet and and even some of the other ones, you know, almost sort of abandoning the idea of the, you know, inherent overt villain. Um, You know, and maybe, like you said, Tim, maybe, you know, Wreck-It Ralph starts to bring in this, this new stage and this evolution of the Disney villain because you can only sort of go to that certain, you know, well of the tropes so many times. And so maybe Disney is starting to, Evolve what the villain is going to be, maybe this sort of misguided hero um, and that journey and sort of this amalgam of the hero and the villain kind of coming together. I want to know from you, listener, our friend, who's sitting at the table with us, who for you is your top Disney villain? And again, you know, how you define, is it the best of the best? Is it the worst of the worst? You know, what are some of those elements that you bring into it what are whether it's power, motivation, redemption, backstory, um, relatability, sympathy, relationship maybe to the the hero and heroine in the story um, all those different things can come together to help define for you what uh, is your, favorite or your worst Disney villains. I would love, love to hear your thoughts on this. A couple different ways you can do it. One, I'd love for you to call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Make your argument. Um, Tell me why we're wrong. Who should have been one on the list who we forgot or why your villain should be number one i want to hear that passion in your voice i'll also pose this question in our community on facebook at ww slash community that is the box people group it's a very warm welcoming friendly place and would love to have a conversation of who's sort of the ultimate who is the ultimate disney villain and why and then when you're done Doing all of that. I need you to go and visit Tim at his home at guide to the where Tim Foster, a little bluebird or giant evil dragon, may have told me that something old is new again.
2: Something old is new again. Including guide-magic.com, which is actually relaunching in a week or two. So this is this is really ahead of time, but Yes, Guide to the Magic for Kids is coming back, the new version will be out. Oh, in a couple of months or so, the official announcement is coming in a few weeks, but this is our sneak preview announcement. But um, all new, it's going to have Rise of Resistance, Minnie's Runaway Railway, a whole new set of attraction stickers, a whole new set, and pins and other books and all kinds of goodness coming. So we'll have lots more details coming up soon, but... This might be the worldwide announcement of the new <laughs> book so, so we're very excited about it and hope you are too and I think there's lots of great stuff coming.
3: I can say Letting as you know. a child who used one of the guys in the magics books, they were very fun and I love them very much. And so. Nicholas
1: back me up look I still have yeah. not one but yep. two, two copies of Guide to the Magic sitting on my shelf.
2: Well, that's good. Hopefully somebody else will be I mean, it's holding
1: the that. shelf up, which is why they're sitting there. So well, don't yeah, move yeah, them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're sturdy and they can use for...
2: No, we're very excited. We're very, very, very... And actually, there's a lot of news coming out with Guide to the Magic to come. We'll keep everyone posted, but
1: but that's the announcement for now. The new book is on the way. We're very excited. I like the teaser trailer. And look, Tim, had it not been for Guide to the Magic, um, we would not be here. I say he this all the time. Here. I yep. remember the first time I met you. In the that tiny little ballroom at the Swan Hotel, lo those many years ago, just meek little Tim Foster walking in, like with his little guide to the magic book under his arm. You were like a little syndrome; just you were so cute. I was, and um, and we got to talking, and and um, and that Unfortunately, was. Unfortunately,
2: you did not say "Go away, kid. You're bothering." Me. <laughs> no, the, the, you know what's funny? Go though? home, Timmy. <laughs> that that book you speak of, my prototype. Sitting on my shelf, and I'm looking at it right now. oh and I found it the other day, and I pulled it out, and I was looking at it, and I remember showing. It. Well, who would have known is, it was the, the thing beginning? Is massive! It's like three times the size of the actual book, as it turned out. But, it was the beginning of yeah, a beautiful yeah.
1: friendship yes, uh, that I am incredibly grateful for. I will certainly link to GuideToTheMagic.com in this week's show notes, and certainly in the WW Radio community on the Facebook. Nicholas Peter Mangello. Always fun having you around, and um, you're more than just a pretty face who likes to re- do food reviews.
3: The real number one villain. <laughs> Nicholas
1: is going to be the twist villain. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for being here. This was a lot of fun, really uh, hopefully made for an interesting discussion for you the listener would love to hear your thoughts as well and uh, Tim we will certainly do this again very very soon absolutely evil chuckle (laughs) (laughs) who has the best evil who has the best maniacal laugh
3: oh man
1: who has not I I don't mean out of you two knuckleheads I mean what villain has the most evil laugh
3: The um, villain from the Muppets movie. Maniacal,
1: Maniacal laugh. laugh. There you go. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal
0: laugh. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal
1: laugh. That's, I'm going to have to pose that question too. as the most evil laugh of any of the Disney villains? Because some villains don't laugh at all.
2: I don't, I don't remember older Anakin ever chuckling at yes. the... Why you got why do you have to end- Little with him? Little
1: Nanny? Why got I'm oh, sorry. Don't call him how, Annie, please. Yippee.
2: How about how about how about Hades like?
3: <laughs>
1: Yippee!
2: Hades is left. I'm trying to get your mind
0: off. Thank you. Even how sentimental. You know, I haven't been this choked up since I got a hunk of musaka caught in my throat. Huh? So is this an audience or a mosaic? Hey, how you doing? Looking good. Nice dress.
1: Jafar. Even Jafar has a somewhat. Jafar has a pretty good sense of humor, actually.
3: Top ten villain laughs coming soon.
0: I think it's time to say goodbye to Prince Abubu.
2: Scar? Can I I say Iago? (laughs) Ah! There you go. That was terrible.
1: King Candy. King Candy? Milk, my duds. It's Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah?
0: Who are you, the guy that makes the donuts? <laughs> Please. No. <laughs> I'm King Candy. See, <laughs> so you're a fan of pink. Salmon. Salmon, that's obviously Sam. What are you doing here?
3: Like fire. Hell fire. This fire.
1: I skin this burning desire is turning me to sea. It's time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see, hear, maybe even taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. But of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I didn't just take you to Walt Disney World, but I also took you back in time, literally and figuratively, because I gave you a quote from a now-extinct attraction that just, by the way, happens to deal with time. And rather than me just say the quote to you again or do a really, really bad impersonation, I'm going to play it for you and then see if you can figure out who it is and where it's from.
3: Hey, Timekeeper, this is beautiful. But where's Jules?
0: Relax, I've got him right here.
2: Strap
3: in, Julie!
2: Oh, Timekeeper! Timekeeper! I'm flying!
0: You can't fly. If you had wings, I'd let you go. Sweetheart, sit down, will you? Don't make me come over there. I'll turn this helicopter right around right now.
3: Hang on to your whiskers, Jules.
1: if that show doesn't sound familiar, some of the voices might, because that's right, that's Rhea Perlman from Cheers and Robin Williams as the Timekeeper. And that is the attraction that this came from. This was a Circle Vision 360 film that wasn't just presented at Walt Disney World, but actually three parks around the world, including Disneyland Paris and Tokyo Disneyland. Now, there's a lot of great story and history and details about Timekeeper I'd love to share with you here, but it actually deserves its own show, which it got back on show 174. We did a Wayback Machine segment, talked all about Timekeeper, how it came to be, and maybe how and why it ended up being removed from the Walt Disney World theme parks, but back to this week's trivia question. I took all of the correct entries, randomly selected one, and once again you were playing for all of my digital products, which is my 102 ways to save money for an at Walt Disney World book. All seven of my virtual audio walking tours of Magic Kingdom where I take you with me on hour plus, almost two hours for Tomorrowland, walking tours of of each of the park's All with the binaural 3D sounds behind you. I talk about the history, the details, the secrets and some of the the overlooked experiences there. I'm also going to send you a WW Radio vinyl sticker, a Magic Band cover and a mystery prize from my personal collection. I'm in the process of putting a number of those items up each week on eBay. I'm going to pull one of those out, add that to your prize package. And if you want to find out my eBay auctions each week, you can go to WWRadio.com slash eBay. Ten new auctions each week, they start and end Sunday night at 9 p.m. They are $1 starting bid, no reserve. There is theme park memorabilia going back to the early 70s. There's books, artwork. There's some Star Wars, maybe a little Star Trek stuff in there again. Again, 10 new auctions each week, www.radio.com slash eBay. But last week's winner, randomly selected, is Dan Taliaferro. So, Dan, congratulations. You use the online form, so I have your shipping address. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this week we're talking about villains, and obviously the question for the trivia contest has to be about villains as well, and one of the ones that we didn't really touch on very much, but I have a feeling she is very high on a lot of your lists, is Ursula. And if you remember... In The Little Mermaid, when Ursula transformed from the ugly sea witch into the beautiful woman to fool the prince into marrying her, she obviously took on a different name. So tell me, what was the name that Ursula used when she turned into the woman to fool the prince? You have until Sunday, July 5th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com. Click on this week's podcast. Use the online form there. Again, you are going to play for the books, the audio tours, the vinyl sticker, the Magic Band cover, and a mystery prize from my personal collection. Also, don't forget that if you like playing trivia. Please go check out my Instagram stories every day for daily Disney trivia. They're easy. They're fun. Multiple choice takes just a couple of seconds to play. Really nice way to test your knowledge, maybe even learn something along the way, and hopefully even brighten your day a little bit more. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. Please don't forget to be part of the community and conversation by going to www.radio.com community and joining our Facebook group there. Speaking of community, I want to thank some of the new and longtime members of our WW Radio Nation family. I appreciate your love, friendship, support, and help. I want to thank some of the new and longtime members, Angela Gonzarook, Marissa Santarelli, Jim Hart, Jennifer Bryant, Jackie Daniels, and Ian Chidley. I sincerely appreciate all of your help. And if you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts, monthly trivia quests, we have a private Facebook group, magic band covers, stickers, logo gear, t shirts, monthly care packages from Walt Disney World, as well as our exclusive live video group calls every month, and lots more, you can visit slash support. Don't forget that this is obviously completely optional, but a great way to help support the show. And remember that a portion of your contribution, which can start at as little as a dollar a month, goes to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the show, you can email me, lou at or call the voicemail be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. You can also connect with me on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. And don't forget to like the WW Radio Facebook page at Facebook.com slash WW Radio. Obviously, even with everything going on, I still believe that nothing beats a handshake and a hug, and hopefully one day we'll be able to get back to that. In the meantime, stay tuned for our next virtual Meet of the Month coming soon. But don't forget about our next WW Radio event, which is our Marvel Day at Sea Cruise coming up this January out of Miami for five nights. If you go to wWw.com slash events, you can find out more and get a free no-obligation quote from our friends over at MAI and Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official recommended travel provider. It's who I recommend because it's who I've used and trusted for more than 13 years. Whether you want to come on the cruise or a future event with us or you're planning your next trip to world, land, or anywhere on the planet, Becky and her team of agents give you the best possible prices, all available discounts, all at no cost to you. More importantly, you see and I think realize now the importance of having a travel agent not just there to help you answer questions, but if something goes does go wrong, they're there for you in their corner. Again, visit them at mousefantravel.com. Becky and her team are there to help you. I am here to help you any way that I can. If you visit LoomAngelo.com, you can find out how I can help you turn what you love into what you do with one-on-one mentoring. I still have one spot left for our weekly six-person mastermind group. Stay tuned for more information about upcoming events, including our retreat and weekend workshop in Walt Disney World. And in the meantime, if you're looking for a speaker for your business online event workshop or for your students, again, you can visit LoomAngelo.com to find out more. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met in person or not yet, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word, let others know about it, tweet out or share a link on Facebook to this or your favorite episode. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over an Apple Podcast. Thanks to you, we have more than 2,500 five-star reviews. So important. Please help keep them coming. I want to thank some recent reviewers, including Traveler Photog, who says, I'm a new longtime listener because I found the podcast late last summer. Absolutely fell in love. I'm a former cast member. Love connecting with other Disney fans and Disney Parks nerds. Not only does this podcast bring magic every week, but the community Lou has built, you guys built it, is incredible. Makes me feel so happy even when I can't be in the parks. I love that Lou titles a lot of his episodes, top 10 And somehow always loses track, like this week, of what number they are, and probably goes over because I feel the same excitement and could never narrow anything down to just 10. His guests are absolutely phenomenal to listen to and full of so much information that I'm either always learning something new or taking a walk back down memory lane to something I hadn't thought about in years. The show makes me feel closer not only to my Disney family of past and current cast members, but to my actual family as I share the info I learned with them. I love that you pay it forward. This podcast helps us have new experiences each time we visit the parks, and I'd be lying if I didn't say that I'm also here for the food and cocktails. If you're a Disney fan, this is the podcast you're looking for. Traveler Photog, thank you so much. I seriously appreciate that. Gosling71 says, I've been listening to Lou for 10 years this month. Happy anniversary. Uh, He's informative, caring, and entertaining you cannot get much more positive than this. This is needed now more than ever. Love the recent tie into prop culture. Made me binge watch that on Disney. And Dan Purser, MD, says the best podcast ever. I've literally listened to all these, every single one. That's how he wrote it, in all caps, with periods. And more than once, Lou Mangello and Becky from Mouse Fan Travel and all of his smart friends and the amazing top 10 lists, really top 18s or 20, he says. ...are fun to listen to on my long walks and drives when I'm working around the house. I love that they went to Japan and love Tokyo Disneyland and see as much as I and my family do. These are a must for anyone who loves Disneyland, World Cruises, Tokyo, Shanghai, Hong Kong... ...plus Lou's humor and self-deprecation are a great model for others who wish to grow their podcast. Using his approach, I've gone from a few thousand to upwards of 200,000 watching my podcast. Wow, that is amazing. Send me the link. I want to check it out, Dan. He says, Lou Mangello rocks. Thank you. And so does Becky with lots of question marks and exclamation points. Thank you once again. And finally, SB Patrick from Canada says, love the podcast. After just discovering WW Radio, I'm kicking myself for not finding it earlier. Not only does Lou and his guests provide wonderful insights on all things Disney, they bring a feeling of warmth and community that I've never gotten from a podcast anywhere else. During these troubled times, it's been a positive way to start my day. And I thank you, SB Patrick. Gosling, Dan Purser, and of course, Traveling Photog, thanks to all of you as well. And remember that positivity is contagious, and and you are the ones who, I think, make that ripple effect happen. And pass it on to other people. So thank you to everybody who has reviewed the show. And if you want to leave a review, just search for WW Radio and Apple Podcasts or go to WWRadio.com slash iTunes. It'll show you exactly how to do it there. And continuing on with, with what I was saying, look, that positivity and that community and that family and that warmth and that welcoming is thanks to and because of you, just like this show, right? This show happens thanks to you and because of you and for and with and many times by you and i appreciate that and i do hope that it does bring some happiness and positivity into your day into your week and you pay that forward let that ripple effect continue and you pay that forward to other people whether they be family friends or even even maybe especially complete strangers and if there's some way that i can help you or show my appreciation please let me know. But until next time, I hope to see you on Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WW Radio Live on Facebook. So until next time, have a great week. I love and appreciate you. See ya.
0: Hey, Lou. use this one. Hi, Lou. It's Brad and Amy from Wisconsin. We just got done with a wonderful visit at the Walt Disney Hometown Museum in Marshall, Missouri. We we're supposed to be at Disney World right now. Uh, but since we can't be there, we thought we'd come to Marceline and it just brought a little bit of the magic back. We hope everyone that listens to the show as part of the box gets a chance to visit Marceline. It's really an awesome place and really connects you with Walt. Thanks for your show and all that you do and for spreading the positivity and the Disney love. Thanks again, Lou. Hi, Lou. Hey, Lou. It's Christine Morrison from Flower Town, Pennsylvania. It's Wednesday night. 11:30. I just wanted to call in before I went to bed. I um, went for a run during the show tonight, so I was watching you guys while I was running. I was really listening because it's hard to watch and run at the same time, but it was a good show. I enjoyed your top five live this evening of the top stage shows in... Disney World, and I have to say, I know that The Little Mermaid Show is not long for this world, but it is my favorite because I was blown away by that show when I first went to Disney World, Uh, it's my favorite princess movie. I know every single line of that movie. I actually just watched it this morning. And it was the very, very first thing I watched when Disney Plus launched. Um, Tonight, I watched the latest episode on the gallery, which was episode eight, I think. And I think it's my favorite episode so far. talks about all the little Easter eggs in The Mandalorian and where they pulled from different aspects of Star Wars, different droids and props. And um, it was so cool. And the coolest thing is that the X-Wing that is in Galaxy's Edge was actually used in the making of the Mandalorian. They actually sat in that cockpit and filmed the actors. I did not know that until tonight, about 10 minutes ago. How awesome is that? So next time I go to Galaxy's Edge and you see that wing fighter, there you go, from the Mandalorian. So, haha little tidbit anyway um everybody have a great night it's gonna be a really busy weekend for me lots of doggies coming um i did my park my park pass reservations today it went very smoothly i'm super super excited and the kids are excited we also picked our magic bands and we ordered some really cool ones and anyway it was a great day Um, Have a good one, everybody. Make someone smile. Love all you guys, and I'll see you in the box next week. And I loved your Art Smith um, interview. I think you should do more interview slash food reviews. At the same time, I love that concept. I think that that is awesome, and you could really do great things with that. So take care. Bye.